Oh, thank you, Ash. Yes, it's true. I turned 50 on the 28th of October, and uh, Kate and I went to Napa to go and properly celebrate our 50ths because she turned 50 in May. She's five months older than me. She looked so excited on the morning of my birthday when we woke up, and she was like just beaming from ear to ear, and I'm like, what's got into you? And she goes, you're 50 now, same as me. (laughs) Well, I don't blame her because I've been tormenting her. You know, for example, we were on vacation back in the summer, and uh, we were with two of our dear friends, and uh, uh, he's an Anglican vicar and his wife, and we were just relaxing, having an amazing vacation, and we're all sunbathing, and I said to them, hey, you know what? You know what's occurred to me, you three? And they're like, what? I said, I'm the only one here in my 40s. (laughs) So it feels good to have joined you, doll, into this illustrious club. The Jubilee Club. The Jubilicious Club. (laughs) Folks, it's true we have been on a a bit of a grand tour. and uh, we just had a phenomenal time at Napa, in Napa. Thankfully, the vineyards, uh, there's been a few that were touched, but the majority of the vineyards are completely untouched by those dreadful fires, and we thank God for that. And uh, the community really came together, and, and, and there's just a, an amazing atmosphere in Napa. And uh, I just believe that God, the Lord spoke to me this morning and said, I want uh, Catch the Fire, Raleigh, Durham. I've purposed in my heart that Catch the Fire, Raleigh, Durham will be Napa to the world in the spirit. That we will be known for our multiple vintage wines that never stop. Amen? Yes. That's you and me, us as a church family. So uh, as Napa is to the world, so will we be. In, as Napa is to the world in the natural, so will we be in the spiritual. Uh, and then we went up to Bethel to join our friends at Bethel for the leaders' advance, and we had a phenomenal time. Uh, it was just amazing to be there and to be with uh, a church that's been so radically touched by the Toronto, that, uh, by the revival that was poured out by the Holy Spirit in Toronto. And, uh, and, but to see them take, that, take this revival to a whole nother level uh, is just been am- was just an amazing to watch. And to be there uh, on the anniversary of the 500-year five, anniversary of the Reformation and to walk into the auditorium with 2,000 first-year students at the Bethel Supernatural School of Ministry and just see them all just going for it, praying like crazy, thanking God for 500 years of the Reformation and praying for the future and the nations of the world. It was just electric, wasn't it, Kate? Electric. And the presence of God was so thick in there. And uh, I texted my brother. um, I said, Murray, may the Holy Spirit, because the Lord just dropped something in my spirit. Um, We had the joy of speaking to one of the classes of the first-year students, um, that day, and then one of the classes of the second-year students the following day. And um, this thought entered into my spirit. I thought, Holy Spirit, and I texted Murray, may the Lord do something so epic among us here in Raleigh-Durham and in our lives that 500 years from now, they're celebrating what God did among us. And just so has entered into my spirit. This is so much more than just our lives are so much more than our life or our children's lives or our children's children's lives. They're just, our lives are about multiple generations. Our lives are not even just about our own communities, our workplaces, our businesses, or the, or the cities that we live in. There is an everlasting kingdom that is coming all over the earth. And God is doing things among people that angels are celebrating for literally centuries. 
And we want to be one of those things that are celebrated by the angels. Well, then we went to Australia and we had a phenomenal time at Catch the Fire Sydney, uh, followed by um, a week working with their leadership teams. And then we had a weekend working with the leadership teams of Catch the Fire Melbourne. So Catch the Fire Sydney in Australia and Catch the Fire Melbourne in Australia are thriving churches and all send their love to us right here in North Carolina. I want you to turn to the book of John chapter 4. John chapter 4, and uh, we're going to read a significant portion of Scripture. By the way, Kate and I are also going to Mozambique a week tomorrow, a week on Monday tomorrow, to uh, be there at the same time um, that Andrew's there. And we're really, really excited about being there together with Andrew and uh, one or two others. So it's going to be awesome. It's going to be awesome. Shaka bongo. Oh, You're going to change the world, Andrew Bradham. You and Kaylee are going to change the world. John chapter 4, verse 1. Like I said, I'm going to read a significant portion of Scripture. I want you to just unfasten your seatbelts. Don't, don't stay safe. Just let the Holy Spirit speak to you. Therefore, when the Lord knew that the Pharisees, reading from verse 1, had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, Though Jesus himself did not baptize, but his disciples, he left Judea and departed again for Galilee. But he needed to go through Samaria. So he came to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Holy Spirit, we ask you that you'd open our eyes to the truth of your word and to the truth of the kingdom in Jesus' name. Now Joseph's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey, meaning he's exhausted, sat thus by the well. It was about the sixth hour, which means 12 noon. A woman of Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, how is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. <laughs> well, the woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where then do you think you're going to get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? Huh? Are you? Who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as well as his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered and said to her, Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give them will never thirst. But the water that I shall give them will become in them a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. And, Jesus, and the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water that I may not thirst nor come here to draw. Jesus said to her, Go call your husband and come here. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, you've said that well. I have no husband. For you've had five husbands. And the one whom you now have or that you're now living with is not your husband. In that, you've spoken truly. The woman said to him, sir. I perceive that you are a prophet. Understatement of the century. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, and you Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place where one ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, 
believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is spirit. And those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, who's called Christ. And when he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. And at this point, his disciples came and they marveled that he talked with a woman. Yet no one said, what do you seek? Or why are you talking with her? The woman then left, the woman then left her water pot, went her way into the city and said to the men, come and see a man who told me all things that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? Then they went out of the city and came to him. In the meantime, his disciples urged him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat of which you do not know. Therefore, the disciples said to one another, hey, has anybody bought him anything to, to eat? And Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Do you not say there are still four months and then comes the harvest? Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields, for they are already white for harvest. And he who reaps receives wages and gathers fruit for eternal life, that both he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. For in this the saying is true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you have not labored, others have labored, and you've entered into their labors. And many of the Samaritans of that city believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified, he told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans had come to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his own word. Then they said to the woman, Now we believe, not because of what you said, for we ourselves have heard him, and we know that this indeed, that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. What a phenomenal story, everybody. I've been camped out, Kate and I have been camped out in this story for approximately five weeks. We were in England in a town, a city called Fleet, which is about 45 minutes east of London, southeast of London. And we were preaching in a Partners in Harvest church. Partners in Harvest is the broader, wider family that Catch the Fire World is part of. And uh, we were in this beautiful Partners in Harvest church, which is Fleet Baptist Church. And I was going to preach on a completely different subject. I had my sermon already. I was excited about the message that God had given me. I was ready to deliver it. I felt anointed, clothed with power. I was ready to go. And all of a sudden, as, my, as I uh, was preparing to go into the meeting, I thought I, I need to just go and uh, use the facilities. My bladder was speaking louder than anything else at that moment. And uh, as I walked out of pre-service prayer and I was just opening the door to the facilities, all of a sudden the Holy Spirit just spoke to me. And he said this, I want you to understand I had not read this passage of Scripture for a few months since I read it in my Bible reading through in the year. But the Holy Spirit spoke to me and he said this, How come you, a Jew, are asking me, a Samaritan woman, for a drink? And the Holy Spirit spoke to me and he said, 
the issue that the woman had at the well, Duncan, that Jesus exposed and then brought the answer to her was not so much a lifetime of sin, although he fixed that through his work of salvation upon the cross. But the real issue that he got to that was in her heart, that was the issue that was feeding all of that sin, was an issue of identity crisis. And the Holy Spirit spoke right into my heart and he said, Jesus confronted the identity crisis. The world has an identity crisis. It's the same identity crisis that the woman had. An identity crisis in which fundamentally she's drawing her primary source of identity outside of her true identity. She says, how come you, a Jew, are asking me, a Samaritan? Her primary identity was, I'm a Samaritan. And that was a false identity because the, her true identity was that she's a child of God. To be a Samaritan at that time caused shame from birth because the Samaritans were a completely pagan race of people that way back five, six, seven, eight hundred years earlier, the Assyrian kings had mixed the races. They had taken and plundered Israel and removed the Israelites from the land of Israel and taken them and scattered them all over the known world. And then they had taken people from all over those cities in the known world, pagans, they had brought those people of those nations and they brought them to Samaria to live. And so they were a non-Jewish race living surrounded by Jews. And by the time of Jesus, there was so much pride in the heart of the nation of Israel because they were, they were occupied by Rome and God had not spoken to them for 400 years, but they were clinging on to the promises of Moses and they had become a people that were proud of their religion. But they had little relationship with the God of their religion. And as a result of that, they looked down upon people that they considered, these are the ancient Israelites, everybody, they looked down upon the people of Samaria. This woman, her primary belief system was centered around, I'm a Samaritan, instead of, I'm a child of God. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me, and he said, right there in that restroom, in those bathrooms, he said, because she believed a lie about her true primary identity, she was unable to see the true primary identity of anybody around her, including the king of Israel that was standing in flesh and blood in front of her. Her false identity, her mixed identity, her, uh, her believing the lie, what do you call it when you believe a lie? Her deception concerning her identity caused her to have a false identity and her false identity prevented her from ever seeing the truth about anybody else's identity. She could not see the true identity of the one standing in front of her. And you know what, folks? Every person in this world that does not know their true identity will never, ever be able to rightly understand the identity of anybody around them. And that's the problem in the world right now. People all over the world are living with false identities. Many are living in the identity of their particular nation. Well, I'm this type of person. Many of them are living in the identity of their gender. Many are living in the identity of their race or their skin color or their culture. Many of them are living in the identity of their employment. 
Some are living in the false identity of what they believe in or don't believe in, like an atheist, for example. I'm an atheist. No, you're not an atheist. You're a child of God. Whenever a human being believes the truth about their true identity, I'm a child of God, they will come into the revelation that if they're the child of God, then the God who's looking at them must be their father. That's why Jesus could look at the harvest fields and say the harvest fields are white. Why? Because Jesus knew his true identity in his father as the son of God. And because he understood his true identity, rightly defined his true identity, his primary identity, I'm a son. He was able to look at every other human being and see a child of God before he saw anything else. Do you get it? Come on. Religion says that the issue is right and wrong. True Christianity, spirit, true spirituality of life in the Father, in Christ Jesus, by the Spirit, is an issue of identity. That's why Jesus said, the Father's looking for those who worship Him in spirit and in truth. Because when you realize, when a human heart realizes that they are primarily first a child of God, they understand that they're first a spirit and that their spirit is eternal and that their spirit came from the father of spirits. And when they understand that, for the first time they become open to salvation. Because they realized they were created for eternity. The church, we've muddled it all up. We've continued, the, 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 by and large, we've continued with this whole ruse that the enemy Satan has been doing from the beginning, getting us to eat from the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil trying to make out that the issue is right and wrong. Well, Jesus Christ came to make all wrongs right. He came as the tree of life to enable us to get back to our true identity. In Galatians chapter 4, Paul gives us some amazing revelation. He says, verse 1, now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, does not differ at all from a slave, though he is master of all, but is under guardians and stewards until the time appointed by the father. Even so, verse 3, when we were children, we were in bondage, under the elements of the world. When we were children, when we were children, when we were children. He's just said in Galatians 3.26, you've all become sons of God through faith in Jesus Christ. That word sons of God in the Greek is huios. The word huios means an adopted son. A son by the law of the state. You are now a legal son. That's what the word huios means right there. And in the culture of that time, a person born into the family was considered a child all the way up until approximately 30 years old when their father would do a whole ceremony. And in that ceremony, the father would adopt their son and say, you are my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And the father would take that person who'd been previously a child in the eyes of the family, would now become fully adopted into the family and would go about the father's business from that moment on. In John 1 verse 12, John says, to those who believe in Jesus, who receive him, to those he will give them the right to be the children of God. The word children of God right there is technons, 
It's not huios, it's technons. And the word technon, okay, same word used in familiar passages of scriptures like 1 John 3 verse 1. How great, the Father's, how great is the love the Father's lavished upon us that we should be called the children of God, the technons of God. And that is what we are. And that word technon right there means a child of great affection. A child that is, a, is loved with great affection. But right here in Galatians 4, verse 1, and then again in verse 3, this word right here, when you were children, Paul says, it's neither technon nor huios. It's a word in Greek called nepios. And this is fascinating to me, everybody. Nepios, okay, means a, a babe, an infant, one who cannot yet speak. You know what the Lord's doing right now all across the world in the church? He's releasing women and giving them a voice. He's doing it all over the world. Men are kicking and screaming about it, but it's happening, whether they like it or not. God is releasing women in his kingdom all over the world and giving them a voice, the voice they were always meant to have, equal with men, males, and alongside them. Not over them, and certainly not under them, but alongside them. And I'm loving it all over Catch the Fire world and all over the Revival Alliance and all over many churches around the world, there is a revolution going on 500 years after the Reformation. It's a complete reformation of women coming fully into their destiny as leaders alongside men. Come on, hallelujah. I'm excited about that. The sleeping giant is awakening, everybody. The devil has been trying his hardest to silence women for centuries because he knows how dangerous they are. For starters, one of them gave birth to the Savior of the world who crushed his head. So, it doesn't get much more hoity than that. High up, I mean, on God's agenda. So next time a man turns around and says women should keep silent in the church, just remind them that a woman gave birth to the Son of God. Apparently God doesn't have a problem with women. Ooh, shika bongo. You know, folks, here's what happened in this moment. A nepios is asked by a huios, the huios, for a drink. But she doesn't realize she's a nepios. She believes she's a Samaritan. Every, now that you understand nepios, you'll understand this statement. Every single human being around you, if they don't know Jesus yet, is a nepios is a baby without a voice. And God sent you next to them to be a huios who shows them their true identity and releases their voice and gives them a voice for the first time in their lives. I'm a son loved by my father. And once... A human being understands that they're a nepios. They're literally, they're literally ripe to be harvested and become a huios. You see, you don't get to go to heaven as a nepios. You only get to go to heaven if you're a nepios who's become a legal, adopted child of the Spirit, a son of the Father. And that sonship is not a gender issue. It's neither male nor female in the kingdom. That sonship is a legal son of the kingdom with the full inheritance 
who will inherit God. So when you see the people around you, when you hear about the terrible things in the news that human beings are doing to each other, when you actually maybe even witness some of those things, when you're out there in the world and people are being racist towards you, and when you're out in the world and people are being unkind because they, they just don't get you, they don't like the fact that you're a Christian, just remember there are nepios that believe the wrong things about themselves. And that the issue is not all of their sin, their issue is their false identity. And you were sent not to point out their sin. You were sent to open their eyes to their true identity in Christ Jesus. That they're a child of God. And that God wants them, a nepios of God, God wants them to become a technon of God, a dear, beloved child, as well as actually functioning beyond that you know, because really when we come into the Father's love, very often we get stuck in the technon dimension. We come into the Father's love and we get stuck in the reality that we're a dear son. And there's nothing wrong with knowing that you're a dear son. And in fact, you can enjoy the fullness of your Huios sonship if you're not enjoying the full dimension of your technos, technon love, the, the, in, the dear child love of the Father. And when you, but the purpose of that is to release you beyond holding on to God for yourself and letting go and actually living to bring God to the world around you as a true son who releases his father's delights. I'm going to invite Kate to come and, uh, and she's just going to share. We were in, in Melbourne last, last Sunday and, and she just shared with me some stuff about this passage because like I say, we've been stuck in this passage for five weeks and God's just been really like, shika, bongo, benge, banga, babalolu, babalolu. All right, honey. Wow, what an amazing revelation. Wow. Well, I just wanted to share what the Lord was showing me about this passage as well. The, the woman had an encounter with Jesus, and Jesus spoke to her with such authority about her life with great revelation. And the words of knowledge opened up this woman's heart to receive the truth of, of Jesus' words to her. And Jesus created some space in his life. He was very tired. He was thirsty. He went to the well. This woman, what was she doing there in the middle of the day? In the greatest, hottest time of the day. Why was she there? because she'd not got up early and been there with the other women, because she'd probably been working all night, you know, get my drift. And so she appeared thinking that she was probably going to be alone, because who goes there in the middle of the day to get water? But Jesus met her. Jesus met her when she'd been doing all the things that she probably shouldn't have been doing. Jesus met her and still loved her and called her, and she was so surprised that Jesus would actually communicate with her, a Samaritan and a woman. And Jesus didn't mind that he went against the flow, that he was associated with people that he shouldn't be associated by the design of the culture of the day. He knew he had something to tell her. He knew he had some good news and he created the space where the revelation that he gave her opened her heart and won her. And, you know, he gave her words of knowledge, but he gave her words of hope, didn't he? He explained about the living water and he called her into the greatness that God had called her to forgetting and bypassing the sin. But he spoke the words of life and the Holy Spirit came and rushed on that woman. And she began to get excited when the identity of Jesus was being revealed to her, when he was talking about the living waters. 
Her heart leapt because the good news had come to her. And there's something about us when we are willing to make some space in our life to go against the tide, to go to the places where people say you mustn't go or go and talk to the people that you mustn't talk to because they put fear in you in all sorts of ways. But when you go with the word of revelation, the Holy Spirit's going to come. And the Holy Spirit is coming. And we're hearing stories this week of the Holy Spirit coming as people step into a space where people who are bound by sin and fear and shame are walking. And walking in a false identity. And you see, all it takes is you being willing to step into that space. How many of you are making space in your lives during your work week, during your home life, for God to come in with a word of revelation that's going to set somebody free? You see, the thing about this woman later is that she was so transformed by the word of knowledge and and the hope and the love and the acceptance that Jesus spoke to her that she became the social media around the place. She went back and started telling everybody about this man who knew exactly about me and my life and spoke life to me. You know, that's what happens. The good news starts going round like wildfire because once you've encountered Jesus, how can you run away from that mercy, as that song says? How can you not keep talking about the mercy? And this woman, she ran and told the good news. And our fields are white unto harvest. We, they are. Jesus said, look, the fields are white. Don't say the harvest is not here. The fields are white. And I want to say that over Raleigh and Durham, Chapel Hill and this whole region, that the harvest is ripe. And it's just waiting for the sons who know who they are, sons who have a voice, to open their mouth and bring the revelation of heaven to everyone we encounter. It's not complicated, guys. How many of you are filled with the Holy Spirit in this room? Absolutely. Absolutely. The Holy Spirit is looking for a place to land so that his words can be released today. The Holy Spirit is looking for each of you to be the vessel for revelation to come, to bring hope to those that are hopeless to bring love, to bring acceptance where there's been shame and dishonor. The Holy Spirit is waiting for the words of life to be released because they, when they receive the words of life from you and your mouth and the love that they're carried, then they are going to start receiving the good news and telling people about it. How many of you want to, to be involved in that? Can I have, have you all to stand right now? We haven't finished. Oh, sorry, I'm, I'm landing his plane. Okay, sit down, everyone, sorry. I just felt the Holy Spirit in that moment. <laughs> no, if you've got some more to say. No, are you sure? Okay. This is what happens when women get a voice, right? <laughs> We've got to learn to agree. (laughs) Okay, we're going to respond to that. Okay, please do stand. Thank you. Okay, thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you. Holy Spirit, that you're here, that you have filled each person that says yes to you with your spirit. I thank you for the supernatural gifts of heaven that you want to um, release and impart to a greater measure. Some of you are going to start hearing the voice of God in a much clearer way. Some of you are going to start having words of knowledge. Some of you are going to have dreams from God for people in your life that you encounter on a daily basis. Some of you are going to wake up with a boldness in your soul that you've never had before, where you've been unafraid to bring a good, a good news word to those people that you work with and those in your family. Some 
some of you are going to be so bold that you're going to wonder who on earth you are because the Holy Spirit's going to upgrade you as sons, not just endeared, loving sons of the Father, but empowered sons of the Father to speak and bring the words of life. So come Holy Spirit, I ask that you will release and impart another level of the supernatural, that heaven will come to earth through me and my voice. And Father, I thank you for the spaces this week in our life that you're going to make room. You're, uh, we're going to encounter people in our coffee shops, in our grocery stores, in the bank, wherever we go, Lord, in life, that you will come and encounter us. And, and we ask, Holy Spirit, that you will give us eyes to see and ears to hear what you're saying, Lord. Every person, every person, Lord, that the good news would be proclaimed through each of us, Lord, that the supernatural realm will open doors like we've never seen before. That hope will come right now, Lord. Would we become the bringers of hope? Make me a bringer of hope. Just begin to ask the Lord, make me a bringer of hope this week. Make me a bringer of your love, a bringer of hope, Lord. And I ask, Holy Spirit, that you would take us as sons and daughters to another level in your kingdom, that we would be empowered, that we would know that our voice is your voice, Lord, that you are right behind us, that you are roaring when we speak, Lord, but you are bringing love through us. Holy Spirit, just wait for his anointing. You know, as we were at the women's retreat this weekend, we were talking about waiting waiting for the Holy Spirit to clothe you with his power. Not to rush that moment, but just to embrace it as though he's, he's just taking a hold of you and he's, he's layering you with new gifts. He's laying, layering you with your true identity as a son and a daughter that knows who they are in the kingdom, that you're bringers, bringers of joy and bringers of peace. I want to give you an impartation. Come here, honey. We want to give you an impartation this morning of boldness. And Jesus, how many of you know Jesus was walking in incredible boldness right there? That kind of boldness is the kind of boldness that not only enables you to overcome your fear of man, of others, but it also enables you to overcome your right to comfort. Jesus was exhausted. I know what that feels like. And when I'm exhausted, I don't want to talk to anybody. I want the well for myself. But Jesus in this moment was willing to be inconvenienced by love. And God's going to give you an impartation right now that is going to enable you to overcome your right to personal comfort and that will enable you to break out of your boxes and to stop looking at what everybody else should do and to start living being the answer. I'm done with people talking about the problems of the world. I'm waiting for a generation to rise up and be the answer that everybody's looking for. Anybody can point out the problems of the world and the church and everything else, but it takes a son, a huios of God, male or female, to deliver that living water from their spirit and to reach out to people that don't know their identity no matter who they are and to cause in them a revolution of the spirit that causes their spirit man to wake up into their real revelation of their from their revelation of their true identity as a child of God into realizing oh my goodness through faith in Jesus I can become a son of God forever a sharer of the inheritance of God. Mm. So if you're wanting an anointing on your life of boldness to create the kind of space Kate was talking about and to be the kind of awesome son that Jesus was and is, and to see the Holy Spirit crashing in on every opportunity that is in your life, 
I want you to come out here because we want to just ask God to just rush upon you by His Spirit. Let, let the Spirit of might come on you this morning. You know, uh, our eldest daughter was, uh, is a graduate of UNC Chapel Hill, Carolina. And when she was at, she was a beautiful girl up here in red, the lady in red. And one day I was taking Jess back when she was a sophomore. I was taking Jess back before she got married to Aaron. I was quite glad it became his responsibility to pick her up and drop her off after they got married. But I used to love those times, joking apart. I love those times with, with, my, with each of my daughters. I love them. There's something about being in a car together that opens your hearts, isn't there? And she was dri- we were driving back, and she said, Daddy, she said something amazing happened last week. The Holy Spirit filled me with boldness at school in my class. And she was in this particular anthropology class, I think it was. And this class was filled with people of alternative lifestyles. People that were in false identities and unable to see Jesus. And you know, this anointing that God's going to give you this morning is not just an anointing that will make you a person of peace. It will also make you a person of confrontation in a healthy way. Because how many of you know, sometimes the world needs to be confronted, not about their sin, but about their wrong belief systems. And so this one particular, Jess told me about this one particular guy who would just torment her every class because she was going to be, she, he knew she was engaged and he was gay and he did not like the fact that she was a Christian and she, he did not like the fact that she was going to get married to a man. And he had an agenda to pull her down. And we know that on account of the fact that he pulled her down day after day after day in class. Well, one day she told me, Daddy, this week he was pulling me down in front of the whole class and in front of the, the professor. And I, the Spirit of God rose up on the inside of me and I said, excuse me, you demand that I honor you for your choice of your primary identity being your sexuality. And you demand that I honor that freedom of choice that you've made. Well, I demand the same degree of honor that for you to give me that I've chosen that my primary identity comes from Jesus Christ. Well, from that moment, from that moment, that demonic voice was silenced. And I believe that man had the chance to begin to have a voice of his own, a true voice, and discover the true voice of the Father. To worship God in spirit and in truth is to be a worshiper because you hear the voice of your Father and you respond with the voice of a child, the voice of a son. Amen? All right, so that's the kind of anointing I'm talking about. It's just about to hit you. So, hold out your hands to the Lord right now. Holy Spirit, I ask you that you would come right now into the lives of each one of us. And if there's any of us that don't know our true identity as a child of God, a nepios, I ask you, Holy Spirit, that you would open our eyes to that reality. And for those of you whose eyes are being opened right now, I bless you that you can become a son of God as simply as just asking Jesus Christ into your heart. And you can pray that prayer right now with me in your own heart. Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. The truth is, I've believed in a whole bunch of false identities. But Lord, today, I recognize my true identity is that I'm your child, that you're my father, therefore. And I come to you today 
with all of my wreckage, the wreckage of my life, all of my sin. I bring it all to you and I thank you that Jesus Christ paid it all at the cross. And I surrender my life to you, Father. Wash me and cleanse me of all of my sin. I place my faith in your Son, Jesus Christ. I make him my Lord and Savior. And I thank you that today you've made me your son forever. You've adopted me in this moment. You're adopting me with the very spirit of adoption. And I'm born of the spirit, born of the spirit and born of truth. And if that's you today and you prayed that prayer with me, we believe you've become a born again believer. And I, I challenge you to tell somebody that you know today before you go home, before you even leave this place, tell them today I went from being a child of God to becoming a son of God. For the rest of you in this room, I take it that you're all sons of God. But it's time for us to step beyond being a dear son and continuing being a dear son, but now carrying revival fire, love, truth, and power to the world around us in Jesus' name and confronting all false identities, not in accusation, but in the power of the Spirit like Kate was talking about. So Holy Spirit, I ask you right now, come and baptize us as Catch the Fire Raleigh Durham. Come and baptize us as a whole church family with power right now. Let the anointing of the Holy Spirit come upon us. Let the spirit of boldness come, Lord. Let boldness fall upon us. Let boldness fall upon us. Let boldness fall upon us. Let boldness fall upon us, Lord. Let the spirit of boldness fall upon us. Let the spirit of boldness fall upon us, God. Take us beyond our fears, God. Take us beyond our comfort zones, God. Take us beyond our normal everyday lives, God, and turn them into extraordinary lives, God. Take hold of me, God. Fill me with your spirit. Take hold of us. Fill us with your spirit, Lord. Equip us. Empower us, Lord. I'm asking you that the spirit of wisdom and revelation would be released this morning in the lives of every one of us. That we would all operate in the kind of word of knowledge, word of wisdom, prophetic, prophetic language that you gave your son Jesus. That released not just one woman, but resulted in a whole town of Sychar getting saved. Lord, we want you to do that in our day. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen.